Welcome to Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. My name is Stuart Pedley-Smith, Head of Learning at Kaplan in the UK. In this series, you're going to hear from both students and experts as we take a look at a range of topics related to personal and career success in the world of accountancy and finance. My guest today is Justin Onikasi, Head of Retail Investment and Fund Manager at Legal and General Investment Management. Although when you look at some of Justy's other activities, he's the founder of Encircle Mentoring, the founder of the Rolling Start podcast, a member of the City of London Social Mobility Task Force and a non-executive director, you might be asking how he gets time to manage the £8 billion worth of funds under his stewardship. Oh, and did I mention he's a chartered financial analyst and has been awarded the Freedom of the City of London for his work on diversity and inclusion. From this, you might gather that Justin is no ordinary fund manager. He has a vision as to how the industry should operate, which has much to do with social change as it does in generating returns for his clients. Justin, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Justin, I want to talk specifics about the role because I think people are particularly curious about that. Mm. But before we, we jump into that, could you... Tell us a little about your background and how it shaped your views on diversity, inclusion and social change within your industry. Yeah, no problem at all. So I grew up in in a city, Manchester, a single parent household in an area which you know, wasn't the most affluent called Cheatham Hill. And I can't complain. My childhood was brilliant. Uh, my background, um, my mum was, was excellent. But I do look back and I look at the people, a lot of the people I grew up with, and there's so much potential that people had. And, you know, this is Manchester, a big city, right, where there's actually lots and lots of links. Uh, and I see that a lot of people didn't fulfill their true potential. And it's that that has really stayed with me, really, since I came to the city of London and started working with the city of London is, is what can I do to help people fulfill their potential? There's a number of other things that, that happened as well. So, well, firstly, I'm one of 12 black fund managers in the city of London, thousands and thousands of fund managers, and only 12 black fund managers are actually kind of, kind of managing money. Now it's actually a, a bit more, but there's a few things that, that in, my, in, my, in my background, in my childhood, which I think have had a real impact on me. My childhood has involved a lot of rejection, particularly rejection when it comes to getting jobs as I moved into the city. And I think what that's done in me, it's it, it's meant that uh, external validation it has become more important because that inst- external validation means that you're less likely to get rejected. And that might be, for example, when I'm presenting, I always want to know the negative feedback, right? And, and again, I think that's helped me to improve. The second thing is this working hard. And we're always, you know, always taught by our parents the importance of working hard. But what I realized actually quite early on in my career is that working hard on the relationships and softer skills and so on and so forth, that is even more important, particularly as you become a technical expert and you try and get into leadership. And then I think the last thing kind of, and it kind of links to what I've said at first is I am adamant that, there are really talented people in the savings and investments industry and beyond actually that are not fulfilling their potential. So one of the things I really try to do is I try and create leaders from people who 
who aren't necessarily demonstrating leadership at the moment. So for example, the end circle mentoring circle, okay, I set that up, but actually now there are people within that who run it on a monthly basis, right? So they may not be leaders or managers in their workplace, but actually they're leading on um, and managing almost this franchise with me. So you find in talent, which is underrepresented or, mm. or not seen, and you're taking it and you're making it visible. That's really interesting. You sort of seem to make the, the sort of leap from your background to where you are quite seamlessly, but what sort of specific challenges Mm. did you face so uh, i suppose growing up in first of all the 1980s uh in the inner city manchester uh, there were a number of what i'd call enclaves of almost national front you know i remember around around where i lived um so i, I remember in the early years there was a lot of kind of pretty overt racism that i, that I had to deal with um either in school or um, in the surrounding areas. But as you got into the 1990s, Manchester became a lot more diverse. And the big challenge there was then, was gangs really, you know, there was, there was, mm. there was, there was quite, there's quite a few kind of set up and there was kind of infighting between different areas of Manchester. And, and it, it was very easy to kind of get sucked into that. I always believed that you could succeed by, I don't know, taking an educational route. And my mum's a teacher, which really helped. And she kind of instilled into me that education was a key means to, to kind of driving social mobility. And I think that really dated me. The other thing I saw is I saw my mum go through a lot of hardship. So whether it's getting a house being repossessed in the, in the 1990s, whether it's living in temporary accommodation in my, in my GCSE year, all of those things, she was always determined. It's instilled mm -hmm. in me that, you know, even when I go through negative or tough times it's, it's always to recognize that i'm privileged to be where i am and and that to me is, is just really important mm. just i want to move the conversation more onto your role really mm. and i think a lot of people i always find this you know when you speak to a you know, people, they say, well, what would you like to see? I'd like to be an investment banker when I grow up. And you go, well, why is that? I say, because, well, I just think it's a good career and they make lots of money. And I think fund managers fall into that. You know, it's that I'd like to work in the city. And you go, well, what would you like to do? And you go, I don't know, really, just anything in the city. So you sit, you, you know, you're, you're in the hot seat for us now. So I get a chance to ask that, that question. So you do work in the city. Uh, you are a fund manager. Everybody's heard of a fund manager. But could you just let a little bit of light into what do you do and, and how do you measure success and what's a good day look like and what's a bad one? As a, as a fund manager, you are managing people's money, essentially. You're managing people's pensions, people's savings, and you're investing it in markets to try and generate returns. So generate a better return than basically putting your money in, in, in a savings account. And there's list clear different levels of risk, you know, very low risk, which you're just trying to marginally outperform or do better than cash over, do better than the savings account over time. All this taking a lot more risk where you're trying to generate, you know, really significant returns for people. How is that return measured? Sometimes it's measured versus other competitors, so other other fund managers. 
I think I, I do a good job when clients tell me I do a good job, when I'm meeting their outcomes, when I'm meeting their expectations. The, 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 the other thing I would say is that um, I'm a multi-asset fund manager. Uh, so this means this is you invest in not only shares, not only bonds, not only property, not only commodities. It's in almost every single asset class. And what you're trying to do is not put your eggs all in one basket because by not putting your eggs all in one basket, you know, when some asset classes are performing poorly, some are doing well, so you just get a smoother return stream over time. And honestly, it's, it's so exciting. I've got a real passion for, for what I do. And, and, and if, if I wasn't doing this on a day-to-day -day basis as part of my job, I'd be doing it as a hobby, right? Because I'm really interested in markets. Does instinct play any part? And mm. if you, is it just, you know, it's a bit like football management, isn't it, in a way? But, you know, does, where does the instinct say, I feel versus I know that's what everything's telling me? How, how do you get that balance? Because if all you ever do is follow the norm, you'll only get the norm, won't you? So do you, yeah. do you, get, do you have a hunch? Do you back an instinct? It can't be purely analytical. So um, we tend to have a team process. And I, th I think that asset management and fund management has moved away from one man taking the, all the decisions or one woman taking all the decisions. And actually, most fund managers are now part of a wider team and you've got collective decision-making. I do think you know being part of a team is more powerful than an individual because, for example, you know we have a a emerging market economist who analyzes China on a day-to-day -day basis. There's no way I could analyze China on a day-to-day -day basis, analyze the US, understand the impact on thousands and thousands of different asset classes and try and, try and size mm. uh, asset classes in my portfolio. So, so relying on those specialists is really key. So as a fund manager, you, you have to realize you are only as, as good as the inputs that are feed into the portfolio. Mm. And, and I guess that point about team, leads to diversity doesn't it mm. i want to talk about that a little bit you you've got um uh, i described in the introduction a vision and it, and it's sort mm. of summed up really in the in this this concept of investment leadership and that the industry perhaps hasn't done enough to align with client needs and there's, there's mm. we require there's a required a bit of change in culture Do you, tell it tell us just a bit more about this investment leadership concept this vision I think when you have more fund managers called Dave than than, than women uh, fund managers, you know, you know, that to me is that's frightening, right? When you have mm. when a report comes out in two thousand seventeen and says there are only twelve black fund managers out of thousands, you know, that, that that's frightening. So I I think I think the industry has understands this now. I think I think most industries understand this now, and it's all about what they do to try and solve it and a lot of the work and now it's become quite saturated in a way has been focused at the bottom end right so it's been focused oh how can we get the right people into the business and you know that is a job in itself right you know i, I look back i'm a big manchester united supporter as, as you know they found marcus rashford they, they, they you know they spread the net out and they cultivated them over time because they thought this guy's talented if we're interested in getting the best talent in our industries, then I think we have to think, start to think like that. We have to start to think like football clubs. We have to start to think, okay, how do we go about doing this? And it's not just red brick universities, not just private schools. We need to go beyond, uh, be, uh, beyond that. And that is starting to happen. But then it's not only 
it's not just getting the right people into the business. When people are in the business, all of the studies show, all of the um, discussions that I have show that people feel alienated. People feel like they don't belong. Mm. So again, it's up to the industry to help people navigate that feeling if you want to get the best talent to thrive and to fill the potential. Hi, I'm Sandil Malikarchi from Sri Lanka. I'm 21. I did SEMA and I'm currently employed as a senior associate in risk advisory at DY. Gender representation at the workplace certainly has space for improvement in Sri Lanka and the prejudices still very much exist. We work with banks a lot and several female senior bankers have told me how their career progression was impeded because they had to miss foreign stints due to family obligations and how they couldn't stay at office as long as their male counterparts. And also there are still social stigma against women who choose to make career their prime focus in life. I want to stick with the work because I think it's a nice yeah. investment leadership, something I've not heard of before. Mm. How does that ideology represent itself in your world yeah. in terms of what you can do as a fund manager? So I think one of the big elements of leadership is how can you develop other people to be strong for managers in themselves? So one of the things that we try to do within the asset allocation team where I sit or my hub in particular, kind of my, my direct team, is we want people to have a voice at the table. We want people to be able to debate. We want people to enter the debate. We want people to be able to contribute to the management of the funds. And I think that to me, that's investment fund leadership. But then it's wider than that, right? It's okay, what can I do? How can I use my privilege? The privilege that I've got from managing, you know, being in a team managing 60 billion and me directly managing eight and a half billion. What can I do to help others fulfill that potential, not only within my team, but across the whole industry and beyond. And that to me is just, just coming from where I've come from and understanding how hard it is for people to be socially mobile and to develop. That to me is, is, is really important. I always feel there's a hard edge to finance, isn't there? Mm. Sort of, you know, portfolios and, and you're sort of saying, well, this portfolio generates the highest return, but it's in the tobacco industry or mm. this portfolio, they're doing really well, strangely enough. You know, I think the stat in the week was that there are more guns in America than Americans. So, you know, yeah, so put wow. your money in weapons, you know, yeah. let's get your money in gun. So does that influence the advice that you give as well? Mm. I do think with greater transparency, investors are starting to say, look, do I want to own this? Uh, okay, I care about financial returns, but do I really want to own this? People are just becoming more aware of the risk they're taking to get that return. Mm. And are they willing to take that risk? Are they willing to invest in companies that are you know, big polluters when they know, they know that actually that could mean, you know, that could bring forward global warming. I think people are saying, no, that risk is too much. And therefore, actually what they're trying to do is maximise their return for a given level of risk, but there's some risk they're not willing to take. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's fundamental. I also think that over time, the best run companies are those which will focus on the environment, will have 
be aware of their social impacts on, on, on society and also that are well-governed. So I don't think you're necessarily sacrificing return if you want to do the right thing. And thank you for that. That was refreshingly clear on one level, that, that, that distinction, and I think, you know, between what seem to be opposing sides. But, but how much, because you've talked almost about the managerial side, but how much of that view filters into the advice that you give clients? Do you have an influence within your role to almost put in an argument about investment in a different way than just chasing the, the dollar at the top? Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's really important, actually. I think that the days that fund managers could sit in an ivory tower and just say, all I'm going to do is try and generate the best return that I can. Mm. I, I think those days are over because I, I think that understanding client outcomes, understanding what clients want is actually really important. So I think part of the reason that within Elgin, for example, we've been able to raise eight and a half billion is because we've got fund managers who are, who are effectively human. <laughs> they go mm. out and they go and speak to advisors and speak to clients and say, you know, actually, what do you want? Uh, you know, we want to understand, like, we want to build a solution for your needs. Mm. And, and, and I think that if the fund management industry is going to survive, and you've already seen, like, you've seen the number of fintechs now that are coming into the, the fund management space. There's a personalization almost of, of the investment journey. People want particular things that are, re that are relevant for them. So I think this is part of the reason which, you know, why I've got this this kind of wider role, not just a fund manager, but like overseeing the investment floor for the retail business. So the advisory and wealth management business is because actually fund management needs to have a human face. We need to understand our client outcomes because only then are we, go, are we actually going to be able to become sustainable businesses ourselves. Because it's just this, this whole thing, isn't it? Of, in any movement, there is there are activists and then there's the the system that sits behind it, but it only takes an argument, doesn't it? And a and a person and a you, you need a movement eventually. Long term sustainable business doesn't come really from having um, you know a workforce that thinks entirely like everybody else in that workforce, and it and it doesn't come from having I suppose this idea that we've got to break through the short term, you know, the booms and busts type scenario and that we build a much more stable platform from which to grow revenues yeah. and ultimately profits. And yeah, that's always been the interesting, when we spoke before, I was always very curious about that. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, 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 well, one big gripe I have is that when people think of investing, they often think it's a, think of gambling and they think, yes. okay, I, I'm going to try and get, you know, 10, 20% this year by, um, by taking a punt. Like, all oh, my friends, oh, I want to take a punt on this. And I'm like, I said, you know, do what you want. But, you know, when I invest, I don't take punts. Mm. I, 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 you know, I analyze the investment and I take a measured view on whether, on whether I want to take risk in this particular area. Mm. Um, and I, with all these success stories that you hear about people, you know, um, betting on crypto and becoming crypto millionaires and so on. I was so going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, and so on. I see that digital currencies, you know, are, you know, can be part of the future, but I'm not into, you know, if, if I wanted to go and gamble, I'll, I'll go to Vegas 
and I'd go, I'd go and put it all on black, right? I mean, th that to me is is very similar to what a lot of people are doing. It's, it's actually, what you should be trying to do is grow your wealth over time by investing sensibly in diversified portfolios because that to me is sustainable and that to me is 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 the way to invest yeah and to paraphrase what you said earlier understanding the clients isn't it the people aspect almost you know learning with them and and growing with them as yeah. they go yeah. through the difficult things so that you kind of get a bit of insight into what they're going to think next and do next yeah and there's an education element as well and i think that's something that yeah. when you talk about investment leadership that's something that the industry can do as a whole is spend more time trying to educate the nation on what investing actually is yes uh, i think it's frightening that i saw a, st a stat the other day that households in the UK, um, typically they, a lot of them don't even know that they're, they're, they're actually invested in, you know, a lot a lot of the kind of the FTSE 100. You know, all of our pensions are invested in, in, in into markets, right? A lot of them don't, don't know, they don't understand. So, mm. you know, I think that we as an industry have a duty actually and a role to do a bit more on, in fact, a lot more on the educational side, particularly when it comes to areas where, you know, they're just not exposed to it, right? So where I grew up, for example. Mm. Just in, look, in summary, you know, you, it, it strikes me that, you know, you've, you certainly had a, a few challenges and, and that your background has obviously shaped the sort of person that you are. And you tell us a really interesting story. I mean, you are an example of social mobility, really. And, and what's been interesting, and I really do love this investment leadership idea, which seems to be the mantle under which you've sort of taken this forward to disrupt internally almost the industry that you're actually in. So, uh, look, it's been a pleasure. Have, have I, what have I missed, or what sort of key messages would you would you like to leave people with? One thing we all have to do better at is uh, two things actually: being being an ally. Um, to people who are less privileged than us. Allyship, it's not a noun, it's a verb. It means you have to do something. The second thing is linked to that, actually, and it's um, it's around sponsorship. Uh, and the only way that people tend to progress in businesses is if they've got somebody in the room when it's promotion time, banging the table and supporting that particular person. And so I suppose that the, the ask here is for both sponsees, so people who want to be sponsored, to be active in finding a sponsor that will do that for them, but also for the sponsors. The sponsors, you're in a privileged position, recognize that privilege. And when you're in the room with your kind of senior management, et cetera, et cetera, you know, please bang the table and say like, you know, that this person is strong if you believe it right because i think that's the only way you're going to get real kind of change when it comes to navigating uh, across different businesses and then just on, on the book side you know i read i say I, re I read a lot of books one book actually which is in front of me now is um principles by by ray dalio ray dalio's investment manager at one of the most successful fund management businesses of all time uh and just talk he goes through his journey and, and then uh, and the principles of particularly relationship building 
and and how important that was and so that's something that's really that's really stayed with me and then and then probably like one that's a bit of a curveball is um it's one that i've been reading recently it's called think on your feet and, and one of the big challenges that people have particularly when um, they're different from everybody else is when they get asked questions they really struggle to to think you know logically and uh, what think on, on your feet does it, it gives you certain structures in order to answer impromptu questions and so on and so forth so that's that's helped me incredibly when i'm doing presentations or i'm mentoring etc etc almost the content of what you say isn't necessarily the most important thing is how you structure things which really resonates with people justin thanks for joining me thank you thank you for listening to kaplan's learn better podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find us. Let's continue the conversation. Follow us on social at Kaplan UK and let us know what you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes.